Hello, and welcome to The Ponderer, the podcast all about vulnerability, curiosity, and self-reflection. I'm Aaron, and on today's podcast, I'll be talking about the MBTI and what it's like being an INFP. Stay tuned. So the MBTI is one of, well, first off, if you don't know what that abbreviation stands for, it's the Myers-Briggs Personality Type Indicator. And the MBTI, which I'll refer now onto it as just the MBTI, is a, as it describes, a personality type indicator, um, a personality test, a um, form of personality typing and it's one of the most popular that I've come across. There are several uh, teachers and studies I've looked upon it, plenty of articles. Um, some people debate whether it is scientific or not. Um, it, it comes from the uh, student of Sigmund Freud, uh, Carl Jung, who you know do- dove more into the personality sides. Um, and typing and all that. He came up with a couple functions as well, which I hope to get into uh, further down in the podcast. And it is the first personality indicator that I uh, came across and came to sort of study on my own. At the sort of back half of high school, I sort of got more into it. I, I watched plenty of videos and studied up on it myself. And eventually, even in college, I was... Uh, it was a mandatory assignment was to take the MBTI, to take the test, and to come back. And a specialist would come into our class and tell us all about um, our team, our personalities, and what uh, chemistry we had together and what to look out for, our communication style. Uh, and I find that to be, uh, I was a bit more uh, knowledgeable at that point, but still that was a good experience. And I, I ended up taking a lot from that from that portion of the class. And it was cool. She was a professional. She was licensed and all that stuff. So I thought that was nice of that class to do that. But anyhow, uh, the MBTI, I feel like has only gotten more popular as I've come to know it. Uh, I don't know how that is or why that is, but um, everybody in my friend group seems to know about it and talk about it at least somewhat somewhat frequently it often comes up and i think that it's you know somewhat uh popular and uh gravitated towards because it is so uh i think accurate maybe maybe is the word some people of course you know debate that but i tend to yeah also agree with this is why i've like carried on with it kept studying it for the past you know at least five years now six years but anyways one of its, but anyways, I, uh, one of its main, I guess, strengths is that, you know, it, it has this sort of uh, function stack within the personality. So if you go onto any sort of, you know, MBTI, Myers-Briggs, uh, personality type, 16 personalities, all those, you know, websites, uh, you'll get a test that is related to uh, the MBTI and probably mostly based off of that. But what I've seen with one of some of the most popular ones is that they kind of 
uh, string together uh, a couple personality systems. And so they give you more letters and a description that is um, stitched together with other sort of personality theories, uh, which is not, which is not good or bad, but it's just not um, just the MBTI. It's kind of two things. It's more than just like one. And there's a bit of mixture in there, but they don't really tell you that. Um, but, you know, on these major, I guess, sites, there's tests that you can take, and then there's descriptions for the types. And I found that the uh, descriptions are usually pretty brief and, and, and give a good overview of the personality. And once people, you know, read that and go through that, they go, okay, you know, they cherry pick the good parts that they like and the bad parts that they don't like. And they go, they make a judgment from then on and go, oh, well, this, this whole thing's fooey, you know, it's, it's fake and it's bad. Other people say, you know, like, oh, this may be accurate, but I don't want to be boxed in. I don't just think I'm this, you know, I'm more than two things. They think, um, or they see it as a dichotomy, right? Extrovert versus introvert, feeler versus thinker. These are a couple of the major sort of dichotomies within the MBTI that, um, people really like pick at and say, oh no, we can be both. And I feel like I have to, I don't have to, but I feel like I want to, um, just give a bit of break to the MBTI saying that like, it's not saying that, um, it's actually more explained that, um, and from the, you know, specialist that I talked to was like, it's more of like a preference for it's like we all have both thinking and feeling introvert and extroverted moments but our 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 natural preference is towards one or the other it's not like you can't have you know extroverted moments or you know uh thinking moments it's more just like our preference she related to to um you know we both have a left and a right hand and it's just more of our preference to use our left or our right it doesn't really matter you know not one's not better than the other it's not um cooler to have one or the other it's just the natural preference of things and how you're built and how you're made so uh i i think that's a, one of the kind of misconceptions at first like oh you know these dichotomies are inaccurate how could anyone you know box themselves in with these sort of um scales and I see where they're coming from. I definitely see that it could seem um, very enclosed and box-like. I, I personally, you know, hate it when people put me in boxes. Uh, you have to be this label and that label and all these labels. Um, but that's not the... If we try to see here that the MBTI is not trying to do that and that it's merely just saying like, hey, people fall on the spectrum of, or on the scale of this usually and... Uh, personality is so sort of like uh i guess before these studies and before these tests and all that was pretty mysterious like it was pretty uh amorphous and you know nebulous and so the very fact that you know carl jung and i guess some of his contemporaries tried to narrow it down you know just to kind of distill it down to like the basics and trying to get some sort of structure within their system you know i can see obviously why they did that because you know, personality is so hard to define and so hard to, you know, hit on the dot that, of course, he'd probably want to make some sort of, you know, structure. People look at it as a grid and as a box and all these functions, they kind of go, oh, this is, you know, this is too, this is too um, unnatural. It's very 
um, enclosed. But I mean, that was sort of the purpose at the beginning, I'm assuming, because, you know, personality was so ambiguous at the time. And this study had this kind of, you know, uh, work hadn't been done yet and hadn't been uh, thought out as well as, you know, Carl did you know, way back when. And so that's sort of like the, I guess, one of the more major um, problems or p- problems that people have with the MBTI. Um, I think it's fair, but uh, there's a bit of a misunderstanding there. And then one of the second, I guess, you know, major hurdles of using the uh, MBTI or this sort of program or system is that, you know, people just say that it's inaccurate and uh, I can get behind that. But also uh, when they say it's inaccurate, it's often because there's a bit of uh, personal error in there, a bit of ego maybe um, saying like, oh, no, like I'm not like that. Um, I'm not... Uh, I'm not that bad quality or, you know, that's not my weakness or um, some of the more unflattering qualities uh, even. And, you know, these websites aren't the best at using like really great uh, examples either. And so they go, oh, yeah, look at this example. That's not me at all. You know, it's not one for one. And they look at it and they therefore dismiss it and go, well, you know, that's not me. Well, you know, again, that's not super the purpose of like the MBTI, yes, it is to like get a general basis of, you know, how your personality works and the way you've uh, uh, been built to function. But it's not meant to, you know, represent wholly everybody that's ever been these four numbers or four letters, rather. Instead, it's really more to, you know, figure out and give a basic uh, structure, a very like very bedrock, very uh, simple um, translation to the sort of tools we use on a daily basis and uh, upon preference. Um, and so this is the functions I'm talking about. The, uh, the dichotomies, you know, introvert, extrovert, sensory, intuition, feeler, and thinker, and finally, perceiver and judger, right? People often at the end there go, oh, they see a J, they look at it, it's called judger, they're like, oh, man, you know, I'm not a judger. Wow, how could this test tell me that? Um, again, face value, not the best word. That was actually added on. The P and the J were actually added on by uh, Myers-Briggs, not Carl Jung, the person who uh, made the system and the functions. The person who made the test, Myers-Briggs, hence the name, uh, put those in there and kind of formulated her own aspects and additions to the system but the way Carl Jung uh, kind of made it was really the functions and and so I'll I'll get into the specific functions of the INFP uh, specifically because that's the one I know best that's how I function Um, but just trying to get that uh, that initial skepticism out of the way you know it's not meant for being a completely accurate, uh, detailed list of things that you, you know, do and are exactly like. Um, it doesn't equate, you know, personal growth. It doesn't equate, you know, it doesn't account for, um, you know, trauma a lot of times or, uh, you know, different seasons of life. It really just equates for the, you know, base level, most basic parts of us, the functions that we use, the kind of tool sets that we came pre-ordered with, 
right? The very kind of um, skin deep layer, or maybe like bedrock layer, the very, you know, very first layers. We always build on top of that. We we have certain scenarios that we, you know, use other things, and we we're humans, so we adapt and we mold and we and we you know take things from other people, right? And we uh, transform our actions based on sometimes you know what setting we're in, and sometimes it's a really interesting setting that you know makes us do these odd things. And so, it's not trying to like build out that whole entire your whole entire world. It's merely here to get down to the sort of you know, essential qualities and tools. That's all it's saying. And it is flawed. It definitely is flawed. Um, Myers-Briggs had her own kind of twist on it, putting the P and the J. Carl Jung has some, you know, maybe ill-described things with NI. And if you know what I'm talking about, um, you'll get it. Like there's there's some downfalls, some, you know, slight things. No one gets it perfectly. So a little bit of, you know, like a uh, little bit of grace here for the, you know, imperfect people trying to come up with a perfect system. Um, it's it's not it's not meant for, you know, a lot of things. It has a certain use case, and, and you know, ultimately it's meant to you know help uh, help describe. But I've noticed in a lot of people, and in myself, you know, as well, people hate being described by other people, um, especially in unflattering ways, especially when they don't know the other person that well. And so I get it. There's a lot of pushback, but, you know, some some obvious or some big sort of hurdles at the beginning are the two I just mentioned, and they, they have to do with a couple things, So, which I just explained. But going into the functions, which I think are the kind of coolest part of uh, the MBTI, once you get past the you know, bad description and the kind of funky naming and the letters, uh, you get down to the functions, which for me, um, in my stack, are FI, which is introverted feeling. Again, I'll explain more as we go on. Then it goes NE, which is extroverted intuition. Then SI, introverted sensing. Then finally, TE, extroverted thinking. And so those are my four main functions, although there are others. Um, you know, everyone comes with I should kind of preface this. Everyone comes with the same functions. So we all have the same, you know, just like we all have two hands, we have 10 fingers, most of us, you know, we we have we come all with the same parts, just in different order when it comes to personality. And so, you know, someone may use a, a fork to eat mashed potatoes and someone else might use a spoon to eat mashed potatoes, depending on who you are and your preferences. It's a, it's a similar analogy when it comes to like personalities and stuff like that. We all have the same utensils, the same tools. We're just using them at different points in time for different things. And uh, the list I just said were for the INFP. And uh, getting into the explanation, FI, which is, so imagine a capital F and a lowercase i, FI. F, obviously, for feeling. I, for introversion. So that means that the feelings are within, right? My feelings come from within. There's a lot of, I go on the inward for my um, feelings and for my uh, morals and my set of uh, dictation of what I do. A lot of that comes from inward. I'm inwardly motivated. I uh, draw from within to um, uh, decipher things, the world, and 
and go about. That's my main function. Some people call it the hero function, the one that um, is used most. So it's on top of the, the pile and it just grabbed most often, uh, used everywhere, almost every part of, the, of my life. It's just, it's just the main one. It's the biggest. And then comes NE. So you're, it stands for extroverted intuition. Okay, again here, capital N, lowercase e, N stands for intuition, E for extroversion. So, um, you know, if we think about, you know, intuition, it's kind of this like feeling, but also this kind of like sensory thing. It's kind of in between the two and it's, it's projecting. So extroverting means outward, X, outside and outside of myself. And I'm using my intuition outside of myself. Uh, kind of hard to explain, but it's a lot about uh, possibilities. It's a lot about new things, about ideas, about uh, linkage between the two, connections, um, sort of like this this large but shallow widespread of things. So uh, it comes up in, you know, telling jokes or thinking of new ideas and, you know, what to do is often dictated by this or helped along by this, along with FI to do some, you know, um, sort of erratic things. It's not often like very, uh, orderly. It's kind of like scrambly and, um, hopping from one place. It's kind of energetic as well. I'd say, um, especially that's like when input comes to play and stimuli, it's like, Ooh, you know, bouncing off the wall ideas and, and, uh, possibilities. Oh, we could do this, or we could possibly do that. It's kind of where like analysis paralysis, you know, when someone thinks of, all the possibilities that could ever happen. And so they get kind of, you know, stuck with, oh man, but this could happen, but also that could happen. And I don't know about this. Um, that's kind of, you know, imagine the brain just really going wild and, and funky with it. That's, that's uh, N-E, very, very uh, possibility oriented. And then, uh, and, and taking a step back, the second function is the parent function. Uh, again, some like naming here. Um, it's kind of the more serious one at times. It kind of wants to take care. There's, there's a lot to this, but I think it's, it's kind of important, but ultimately not super necessary. Just know that it is used second most, um, FI first because it's used most and then NE second because it's obviously used second and so on, uh, for the rest of the, uh, functions. Thirdly is SI, which is introverting sensing capital s lowercase i introverted sensing so if we go by the rule and kind of the structure of the last two um i the lowercase i means inward introvert inward so my senses experience so sensing like the five senses touch smell taste sight hearing all are um kind of internalized, like my experience has been internalized. Uh, I think SI is one that uh, I don't super understand that well. Like it has a lot of different um, ties to sort of, I guess, more philosophical things or like very conceptual things that I'm not actually sure how they tie to those things. I'm not an expert in any of this, but I just know a couple things. And SI, and I have some blank spots, and SI is kind of like one of those blank spots for me. I've tried to look it up. I've tried to have people explain it to me, 
but it really hasn't like made a lot of sense in my real life. Um, but the way that I understand it, sensing inward, I have a lot of, um, and I'll probably get into this later is that, um, SI kind of plays towards my memories a lot and it's sort of a, a soft spot for me where I want to have, you know, good experiences because, you know, cause, uh, and I have a lot of nostalgia because I have like these, you know, rock solid memories that I've internalized and that are, you know, encapsulated for me that are important and that play, you know, uh, some sort of meaning for me and give me comfort in some way. Uh, the title for the third function is the child function. So the parent is the second, the third is the child. And so SI child is kind of like um, a sort of, you know, a child, a young sort of, you know, playful, but also kind of naive and uh, strong without knowing function. Again, a bit conceptual, we'll, we'll move on to the last function, at least for now, which is TE, capital T, lowercase e, extroverted thinking. And so the fourth function is the least like used function. It is used, but it's just kind of the weakest because it doesn't get used that much. It hasn't grown all that much to be very strong and powerful like FI, who is used all the time and is very strong. TE is kind of the um, like it's the kind of inferior one people say and it is the function we use uh, you know a certain amount of the time but it's not really used to its fullest capabilities right so uh, in another personality someone would have TE as their first function and as their first function they'd use this all the time and they'd be really good at it but I use it in the fourth slot which means I don't use it that much, not that good at it. And TE is described to me as, you know, rationale. It's rational, it's reasoning, and it's extroverted, outside thinking. So it's like taking the thoughts of other people and going, okay, I'll use that, I'll use that. So my brother, for instance, has a lot of um, reasonings for things. And he comes up with a lot of reasoning. You should the you know and some just some silly examples is like you should use the toilet paper roll so that it rolls outward like it rolls towards you instead of rolling underneath because of x y and z or you should back up the car in this position so that we can take the groceries out and we can use the and it's a shorter distance between the trunk and our front door right and so we can get the groceries out faster and you know reasonings of the sort and so I don't naturally make up those reasonings. You know, sometimes I, you know, I would have, without my brother, would have probably taken the groceries out as normal, you know, as, as usual or as with the car in a different position. And I, I, I could have gone my whole life doing it a different way and it would have just been fine. But his reasoning I absorb, I take for myself and I go, okay, yeah, that makes sense or rationale. Um, and using it in that way. And then I use it, and then um, it becomes part of what I do, or when I have reasonings, and again, it's not that strong, so it's not like I can do this a lot and do it well. It's kind of just like rationing, rationale, uh, reasons. I would consider it more reasons than like logic. Logic is you know, very similar, but I think different, um, and which is relegated to a different function that I haven't mentioned yet. But 
you know, uh, TE extroverted thinking to me in my mind, um, just rings as like reasoning, uh, thought out kind of thorough and rational. And so that's the, uh, functions as they are. And, you know, these functions are the basis of kind of what the INFP uses. And, uh, some, quick examples I wanted to give just to kind of flesh out how they, you know, work and also how they work together. So one of the, what's called a loop, um, which is for me, the first and the third function, FI and SI. So we'll, we'll, we'll just simplify it to feeling, introverted feeling and sensing. So I have a feeling about a sensory experience I had, you know, maybe that was 10 years ago, maybe that was, you know, five years ago, a long time ago, or maybe it was yesterday. But I use sensing, sensing my memory, going into my memory banks, and I'm feeling introverted feeling everything that I just um, uh, recalled in my memory. And so I feel these things that I had already experienced very vividly and very thoroughly. I remember certain details that, you know, are only specific to me. They're only important to me, right? I remember the way the sun was or the, the blue mailbox, right? That's not really important to anybody else's experience at the time. But for me, that was the setting I was in. That was what I was seeing. That was what I was smelling. Sometimes it's a, uh, a sight. Sometimes it's a sound. Sometimes it's a smell. But whatever it is, I can remember it very well very well and it means a lot to me for whatever reason it means a lot i can easily go back to that time and so reminiscing with fi so now i remember the scene right it's laid out um backyard trees sun wind whatever and then my feelings come back as well so it's the loop fi si and now i have the feelings that come with that instead of just remembering what i was physically there for i remember the feeling i had in that setting. And so, you know, oh, I remember that day and how nice it was and how beautiful the sky was and the weeping willow blowing in the tree breeze and the small little creek next to us, right? That could be a memory of mine uh, that I would recall and, and feel the feelings almost exactly as they were relived. Um, or it could be a bad memory, um, a really hard time, a really scary time, uh, you know, maybe a time of pain and of injury, whatever it is. And so the mind just keeps using these two back and forth and back and forth. More detail about the scene. Oh, the feeling that that gave me. And then more detail, right? looping around and around and around. It's called an F. Uh, it's called a, a loop because it keeps on going circular with one another. And likewise with the other functions. So extroverted intuition and extroverted thinking. With those two, um, it becomes, I often see it with thinking about, like I said, overthinking, thinking about possibilities. So TE is trying to use the reasonings of the world that it has gotten and grabbed and use them to uh, solve a problem or to do another, a new thing, to you know, get logistics out of the way, get some planning out of the way. You know, I'm going to use TE and I'm going to you know, figure this out. And then NE goes, well, these are all the possibilities. 
and there's also this possibility and this possibility and this possibility. And so TE has to think about, which is he's not very strong. He's kind of like a baby, not really a baby, but just a, you know, weaker and looks at all these possibilities that NE is giving him. It's like, oh, hey, yo, what about this? What about this? What about this? And TE's like, oh my gosh, I need to figure out the best reasoning for any of these possibilities. I need to think about the best way to do this goal. And there are a million possibilities in front of me. So I need to figure out, you know, would it be good to do that because of A, B, and C? But, oh man, this other one has these other reasonings to do. Oh man, so uh, paradox of choice comes in and, you know, reasonings all over the place. What if, what I can see for myself that uh, what eventually ends up happening is FI steps in and goes, I feel like this one. And then TE goes like, well, for what reason? And then it goes, because I feel like it. And takes, you know, that option and runs with it. And he goes, okay, I guess. Um, and that's uh, that's where, you know, FI comes in. That how That's how the loop usually breaks between these are all the possibilities. And I guess these are all the reasonings. FI just comes in and goes, well, I feel most like that one. So let's use that. And that goes for like projects or which cup I'm going to use, just whatever choice it is, it is, you know, made with those functions. And so I hope this is painting a better picture of what functions are used and how they're used together. Um, there's more than just those loops. There's, you know, FI and TE or uh, NE and SI. There's, you know, plenty of combinations. And there's even more uh, that I didn't talk about that other people have. I'm just not you know, has experience with them as, you know, other people are. I didn't, I, I've done much less studying about those than uh, my own. But for each um, letter than I said, so, you know, the capital letter, there's a, you know, reverse of that. So there's, uh, for introverted feeling is capital F, lowercase i. There is capital F, lowercase e, which is, you know, extroverted feeling. And, um, that one I feel like I, I have a pretty good grip on, but uh, it's not one that I use very often. It's like feeling everyone else's feelings. And so you're extroverting. So you're going outwards and feeling everyone else's feelings, knowing the social scenario and the mood and sometimes the vibe, one could say. And, you know, there's there's other ones. So each one that I said, isn't there's an opposite, there's a there's a reverse of that I didn't talk about. And I honestly think that that's kind of the coolest point, um, the coolest portion of the MBTI that often goes overlooked or unstudied or un you know touched upon. Uh, people don't you don't don't really get into it. They have a bad first impressions. They think oh this is boxing in or this is inaccurate, and so they they you know, toss it off uh, whatever. But you know for me it's been it's been really helpful. I've obviously used it in some of my life. And I can see, you know, where these tendencies take me. So instead of like being, you know, ignorant to what I do and why I do it, I've, I've begun to, you know, dig up why I do it. Why was I, you know, why was I acting like that? Oh, because I'm using these sort of tools to give me this sort of, you know, outcome. And, you know, if I don't want that kind of outcome, I could switch it up. Um, I could train my weaker functions, SI and TE, who, you know, aren't as aren't as used as much. And so, you know, it gives a pathway of growth and all this other stuff that for me has been helpful um, in understanding, you know, myself and also understanding other people. Um, 
when other people, you know, seem to be doing things that I'm like, oh man, why would they do that? Or, you know, understanding uh, just, you know, the people around us, um, it, it's helpful. Uh, and it gives a sort of basic background to making sense of what all these other people are doing instead of, you know, being completely clueless and going like, I have no idea why that person would do that. Or, um, you know, something of the sort, it becomes slightly more understandable going, okay, well, what function are they using? Or what stack is they, are they? And I'm not personally one that goes around and like tries to type everybody that I've ever met. And not to say that that is bad. I just don't, I just don't do that. I don't know. I just never found that I was that good at it or am yet to be that good at it. Um, also, I think there's been a bad reception that I've seen. So that people are like, oh, you're trying to, trying to type me. And it's kind of weird. I think it's a little bit creepy sometimes, but um, I can understand like the, the reasonings for it. It's, it's, it seems if you're really into it, I get it. <laughs> and I've seen people who are like really into it. And then, so they, they, I think go maybe overboard. I don't know if it's overboard, but it verges towards that area. And so I just kind of stay away from that. But um, if they know already and they're willing to tell me, I'm down to listen to, you know, what type they are and, you know, maybe talk more about personality. But uh, that's kind of a tangent. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I think it's a, it's a helpful tool, uh, basically. And I think it could be utilized more by more people if, you know, uh, there wasn't these sort of, I guess, glaring misconceptions and uh, judgments about it. There's there's more. If you get anything from this, it, it, there's just more to this whole personality thing. There's a reason why, you know, there's thousands, maybe millions of people who are who are interested in, you know, why there's professions on it. Like there's personal coaches and counselors that like just specialize in this stuff. They go to like corporate spaces and they say, oh, your team can work better uh, via doing this by communicating like this, um, your coworker feels like this when you do that, and so they're experts on this stuff. And you know, I think it's I think it's worth it's a it's legit maybe good say, and it's it's worth a it's worth a look into if you're interested. If you found any of this uh, interesting, I definitely recommend looking further into it because you know it's helped so many. Maybe it'll help you. Maybe worth a shot. But anyways. Uh, now I just wanted to get into some of the, I guess, stereotypes of being an INFP because each type, and this is again from, I guess, the MBTI community, maybe one could say, and the general perception of an INFP. Because I've seen a lot, uh, you know, INFPs are supposed to be like something like, um, 3%, I could, you know, 2.5, something around that range of, the population, uh, I think of the world or at least of the United States. And, you know, even though it's such a small percent, you know, of the population, imagine that with like seven, seven, seven billion people, I think. So like 2% or 3% of that is like millions. So there's a lot. Um, and particularly on the internet, there seems to be a lot of INFPs, like everyone's on the internet. There's, there's no doubt, but INFPs for some reason are kind of like a common type to just like be popping up in places and just be like everybody knows like an INFP for somehow. Anyways, uh, they're very curious, I think, about their own personality type. And so there's 
a bunch of videos. There's so many videos of INFPs, and it was very easy for me to like find you know, resources and people talking about my own personality because apparently a lot of other INFPs have been curious about themselves and they've made videos on it. And uh, it was actually cool in the beginning because I could see like it was uh, it was just people on their phones like recording their life and their like process and their thoughts. And it was like it, visually it was not an interesting video at all for most of these. They're just talking. But what they were saying was like very intriguing because they were being really honest about their journey and their life and how their functions did and all these sort of unique aspects of life that I, you know, I was relating to, you know, being FI dominant, introverted feeling dominant. They're just giving a lot of their feelings upon life. And, you know, I related to that, you know, it was, it was, it was, and that was kind of like the first time I was ever like, oh, wow, I relate to this person, like, you know, on a, like a pretty deep level on a pretty pretty uh significant way and i was like wow other people have similar experiences to me where you know before i thought you know i was a snowflake i was a unicorn amongst you know everybody else i was like ooh, no one gets it but you know hey i found these people that kind of do get it and so that was interesting for me at least to realize you know at, at adolescent age but the general you know getting back to this whole image of you know the infp there is a general perception of the INFP and maybe, you know, I actually don't think it's just me. I think there's a lot of perception about the INFP that goes like, oh, like kind of like manic dream girl, pixie, whatever that phrase is. Um, very like, like, I don't know, weak. I don't know. Weak is not the word. It's not, it's my perception of what their actions are and what people will say. So it's like, uh, like cries a lot. I'll, I'll just give some like phrases to generalize, which aren't accurate but what other people have you know found to be funny um like cries a lot like wants to take care of everybody um like is very sentimental and wispy and like reads a lot of books is like stays indoors um also like so it's like a dichotomy of like either really happy or like really depressed um maybe an artist like there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff and the general sense that i get from the probably hundreds, if not thousands of videos and media that I have consumed about INFPs is that, you know, people generally think that INFPs are soft, lovable, but also like kind of edgy and sad sometimes, which, you know, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with. Um, they're, they're <laughs> the, the, the stereotype comes from, or the general perception comes from some, I guess, decent examples of, I would say, maybe very maybe adolescent or young INFPs who haven't really kind of grown out of some of their you know basic habits and functions not that that's a bad thing I'm just I think the the perception is not of course holistic because you know no one can per like describe millions of people with a meme or like a infographic post it's just not going to happen. But I think it's odd because the classic example of like an INFP, whether it's like in media or in, you know, memes and photos and like uh, general depictions of an INFP, it's kind of like a female a lot of the times. It's like a female INFP who is um, like maybe like the girl next door or maybe like I said, the manic pixie dream girl or 
the sort of maybe like side character who's like really loving, but like, I think, you know, sometimes has like maybe the character has like main character syndrome or like INFPs, you know, in general, but just the description is usually, as I just described, female, a bit dreamy, wistful, um, and sad sometimes, wistful and sad. Anyways, coming across this, I was always like, oh, like what? You know, like, why is this the example? Why is this like the prototypical example of an INFP? I I was like, what? Um, And then I came to kind of like understand like where it came from, why it came from that, because these are like just the tendencies, like the functions are the same, right? As I described, but just the tendency amongst life to like fall into these sort of like archetypes is like, I can see why, because like, being like I just described the FI and SI loop, that's kind of like being sentimental, nostalgic, I called it. Um, That can also be like very wistful and then it can be like depressing and, you know, like riddled with um, regret or like anxiety. Anxiety probably coming more from like NETE, like I was saying, it's like analysis paralysis or NESI, which is like giving possibility to what could have happened in my past that I remember so well, right? So there's there's functioning reasons to why like these sort of characteristics pop up as the general character of an IFP, and uh, which I can see, but it's ultimately like uh, not the best image, I don't know. And it's just, I do think I've met more girl INFPs than guys. I think that's just like, I guess what, is common more common INFPs you know both male and female but for what I've run into most of them have been female I think I've run into only two INFP males yeah besides myself and so I've met way more INFP females or women that um display some of those characteristics and what which I just mentioned but never to the degree in which is I guess, described and popularly known. I think just as, you know, and just to give, you know, my own perspective on it, it's just that uh, I find it weird, one, but then also as a guy who's not like the prototypical image of an INFP, you know, it makes me feel a bit weird about it because the qualities that are described are both in the personality, not the gender. So it's the personality that carries over to both. And so... The image of the INFP being female but applied to a male uh, is odd because, you know, the actions described could be male or female. It's not, you know, gender bias. It's, it's, uh, it's regardless. And so applying that to me at times or like in the face of that when people have an image or a expectation, it kind of uh, makes, me, makes me feel a bit weird, to be honest because it is sort of like soft and what people might describe as, you know, typically feminine, which is not like a bad trait. None of it is like bad or good or like, you know, useful, not useful. It's merely just like perception and the way perception is formed through, you know, media and, you know, words and descriptions that has like kind of what I think to be you know, stumbling in some ways because of how closely tied they are. Even though it's not, you know, particularly tied, the 
the aspects of the NIFP are not particularly tied to one gender, but it has been throughout, you know, descriptions and media that I've seen, which is unfortunate because I think that, you know, leads to a lot of male, uh, male INFPs being, you know, I guess left out in the sort of spectrum of, you know, description and real representation. And I've looked on like sites where they say, you know, this celebrity may have been or is probably an INFP. And there's some, there's some good examples out there. Um, I think one of them was that I just looked up recently was Kurt Cobain seemed, you know, had these qualities and had, you know, the, the deep feeling, you know, first and foremost, uh, his music, uh, with his band Nirvana, uh, definitely was like very emotional, but also very like somber and sad at times. It was, it was played in a way that, um, was catchy and was like, uh, many people enjoyed that sound, but ultimately like the lyrics are like sometimes really gruesome and really jarring and like this sadness and like, I guess like hurt in it is so prevalent. And, you know, if we're, you know, kind of dissecting this as an example, you know, you know, the time was turbulent that the music was made, but also like, I feel like Kurt's life was pretty turbulent as well on what he saw and what he experienced. And also, uh, you know, from those experiences, FI being the dominant, what I feel, you know, being the most important or what is, you know, dominant, then, you know, obviously Kurt's music would be informed by that and how he felt about certain situations. And so, you know, I can only guess that and predict that a lot of these lyrics came from his deep sense of feeling for, you know, other people in his life and for the way the world was, and I guess still is. And those emotions informed his writing and lyrics, which is just my prediction and, you know, sort of a uh, blown out example, but I don't claim to know a whole lot about Kurt Cobain, but that seems to make the most sense in my mind of where, uh, what functions, I guess, were used to make his music. And that's kind of one of the um, one, uh, examples from, you know, one of those websites that really made the most sense to me, um, struck out as like, a, oh, wait, yeah, that could possibly be really true. But, you know, other than those, um, and maybe a few others, it didn't seem to, you know, properly portray a lot of the male INFP qualities. And I think it's interesting to even talk about because it is more texture, it is more context to the, to the person, you know, if we're talking about, you know, aspects of people, the personality is one thing, there's gender, and then there's like, cultural experiences, like, maybe specific backgrounds and all that stuff. So it, it really adds, you know, onto the layers of, you know, a human. And so that was just something I wanted to briefly touch on, and I guess, acknowledge. And there's, you know, so much more uh, to the MBTI, other types, the connections between the two, uh, some of the more, the different functions. And so, you know, I'll probably be doing uh, more, I guess, in-depth or specialized, uh, you know, podcast or episodes about it. If you're interested, stick around and uh, look forward to those. So, you know, just by show, uh, sharing this, I hope you've gotten a better understanding of, 
you know, maybe just how I function, but also some perspective on the MBTI and all that goes into it. It's sort of portrayal of the INFP and, you know, what does and what is correct, what may be uh, misconstrued. And I hope you enjoy it as well, uh, listening to all this. You know, let me know if this makes sense to you. Uh, if I'm missing something, if you agree or don't agree, uh, I'd love to know your thoughts. Let me know by sending me an email at theponderpodcast at gmail.com. Also, feel free to leave a review uh, on whatever site you're listening to this on. I hope you liked it, and I'll see you in the next one.